Hello. Welcome to the legends of King Arthur and his knights. Chapter 27. Eric and Enid. It was a troubled King Arthur who sat down to a feast at Easter in the town of Cardigan. Lamarack was gone, Geheris was banished, all was not well at his court. The king decided to hold a lavish and splendid celebration in order to cheer everyone up, and he invited kings, princes, knights and ladies from across the land. As the celebration was at its height, King Arthur stood up and announced he was going to hunt the white stag according to the ancient custom. Everyone was a bit worse for the drink, and there was general hearty agreement. Sir Gawain, who was as sensible and moderate in his enjoyment of the feast, as he was loyal to his king, spoke softly to his master. "'Are you sure about this, sire? The custom of the white stag never did anyone any good. Whoever kills it has to kiss the fairest maiden at the court. This is going to cause problems. Many a fight has been caused by knights arguing over which lady is the most beautiful. They will all stand up for their own, and there will be trouble.' I really think you should find something to do which is more harmonious. Wise words indeed, but Arthur was not to be swayed. The hunt for the white stag was on. The very next day, Arthur and his knights rode out in search of the beast. If Arthur was having any second thoughts after his most loyal knight's advice, he didn't show it. In fact, he was by far the most enthusiastic hunter, and it was he who eventually found and killed the beast. The Queen rode out for the hunt too. She was accompanied by a few servants and escorted by one of the knights of the round table. He was the son of King Lack and was proving to be a fine knight. Already it was being said he had the potential to be as good as Gawain or maybe even the equal of Tristram. He was dressed in a coat of fine silk made in the faraway city of Constantinople. As he was escorting the Queen and not out for a fight he only carried his sword with him. Lances and armour were left at home. The name of this young knight was Eric. As the Queen's party made their way into the forest, they noticed they weren't alone. Riding towards them was a knight accompanied by a noble lady and a dwarf. Guinevere asked her lady-in-waiting to approach the lady and ask who they were. This she did, but the dwarf stopped her in her tracks. The little man was extremely rude and aggressive, telling the young woman she had no business here. She tried to argue, but the dwarf raised his hand and slapped her very hard across her head. Crying, she returned to the Queen and told her what had happened. Guinevere sent Eric. The young knight, highly indignant and annoyed, rode towards the knight, but he was stopped by the dwarf, who clearly had no respect at all for women or knights. He raised his whip and lashed out at Eric, causing a wound on his neck and a cut on his face. Eric had no armour and only a short sword. The other knight was fully armed. Eric retreated and spoke to Guinevere. I will avenge you, my lady, but not here, and not now. The knight is fully armed, and I have nothing to fight with. I will find a fighting horse, armour, and my lance, and pursue this villain. I'll be back within three days. He rode off. Meanwhile, the hunting party was on its way back, headed by a joyful King Arthur carrying the white stag. A wild party was held in the evening. The inevitable happened. The knights, schoolboys at heart, began to argue about who was the fairest lady who had to be kissed by the king. Then a few scuffles broke out. Everything was getting very badly out of hand. Arthur sidled sheepishly over to Gawain and asked for some advice. Sir Gawain, trying very hard not to put his best I-told-you-so face on, immediately called a small council together and they began to discuss what to do. It was Guinevere who came up with the answer. The king announced that one of the party, Sir Eric, had not yet returned. 
He was on a quest and would be back in three days. They would not decide who was the fairest until they were all present, so the decision would have to wait. This seemed to satisfy everyone, and the party calmed down. Eric, meanwhile, followed the knight with the aggressive dwarf to a small town. The knight was greeted by the townspeople and was soon lodged for the night. Eric found that there were not many places to stay, as the town seemed to be full of knights. Eventually he found some lodgings himself at the home of a Vavasaur and his wife and daughter. The Vavasaur introduced Eric to his family. The young knight courteously greeted the wife, but when he saw the daughter he was almost struck dumb. Standing before him, dressed in poor clothing littered with holes and patches, was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. She looked after him and his horse. He was transfixed and watched her silently. It wasn't until dinner that Eric regained the power of speech. He asked the Vavasaur, as tactfully as he could, why his daughter was so poorly clothed. Sir, he replied, I have been involved in a war which has cost me everything. I used to be wealthy, but now, as you can see, I'm not. My daughter could have been married to virtually any nobleman in these parts. She has had plenty of offers. But I want her to be happy, and I will not let her marry if she doesn't want to. Also, I'm hoping that when she does marry, it will be to the son of a king, and then I won't be poor any more. Eric nodded, and then asked why there were so many knights in town. He was told they were there to take part in a fete. The following day, a strange custom would be observed. A fine sparrowhawk would be set on a silver perch, and knights would try to win it. To do this, they must have with them a lady who is fair, wise, and courteous. If there is any debate over who that is, then there must be fighting. The knight with the vicious dwarf had won the sparrowhawk without a fight for the last two years and was hot favourite to win again. Eric decided that this was an ideal opportunity to avenge Guinevere and he asked the Vavasaur if he could provide armour, a lance and his daughter. His host was a little doubtful about the last request but then Eric told him who he was. I am the son of King Lack and my name is Eric. If I win the day tomorrow I would be honoured to marry your daughter and make her queen of three cities. The Vavasaur frowned no more. It was agreed. The daughter, whose name was Enid, was delighted. She talked all night with her knightly fiancé, and they got on wonderfully. The next day, they all rode to the place where the hawk was displayed. The local count stood up and announced the festival was to begin. The knight with the dwarf and the lady stepped forward. My lady, he announced, this perfect and wondrous bird is yours, for you are the fairest and wisest of all. Step forward and lift it from its perch. Eric stepped forward. Not so fast, Mr. Arrogant. Lady, stand back. A better one than you claims this hawk. Fair lady, said Eric to Enid. Step forward and claim your prize. The other knight was extremely angry. The crowd, on the other hand, was jubilant. After two years of unopposed sparrowhawk acquisition, there was this time going to be some fighting. Great debates broke out about who was going to win. Many thought that the previous winner was unbeatable, but just as many others argued that Eric could take him. A large field was cleared for the battle. On the first charge, both knights were knocked from their horses as lances splintered against breastplates. Both jumped up quickly and drew their swords. Neither wanted to lose and both were excellent fighters. The sound of blade against helmet reverberated across the town. Pieces of shield flew off in every direction as the fierce, uncompromising blows rained down. After a long while, they agreed to take a rest and have their wounds tended. Enid administered to Eric, tears in her eyes, 
She thought she was seeing the chance of happiness she thought was hers disappearing. Already she loved Eric and couldn't bear the thought that he would die. The battle resumed. Blood flowed to the earth as each knight fought even harder than before. A piece of Eric's helmet was sliced off, leaving his neck exposed. Enid hid her eyes from the terrible fighting. The knight struck Eric again and more blood gushed from his deep cuts. Eric summoned up his remaining strength and unleashed a vicious blow on his opponent's head. The knight was momentarily stunned and this was all that Eric needed. He aimed two more in quick succession and the knight tottered. Eric shoved him to the ground and wrenched off his helmet. Then he raised his sword and made to slice off the knight's head. The knight yielded up his sword. Eric had won. I have avenged my queen today, said Eric softly. Yesterday in the forest your dwarf struck a lady and then me and you did nothing to stop him. For this disgraceful insult I command you, the three of you, to go to Cardigan and put yourself at the service of the queen. You may also tell her that tomorrow Eric, son of Lack, will return, bringing with him the fairest of all ladies. The knight, who was called Eder, son of Nut, did as he was ordered. He was met by Sir Gawain and Sir Kay, and was taken to the Queen. He bowed before her, and announced he had been sent by Sir Eric, and he was her prisoner. Guinevere was delighted to hear that Eric had succeeded in his quest, and would be returning the following day. She spoke to the King, and they agreed to release Eder as long as he joined their court. This was a fabulous offer, and Eder accepted gracefully. Everyone went to bed, eagerly anticipating the return of Sir Eric. Eric, the victor, was suddenly a very popular man. He was offered lodgings by the Count, who was Enid's uncle. Eric refused, asking that he be allowed to return to the house of the Vavasor. The Count agreed, and along with many other knights, accompanied Eric to the lodging. There they all had a magnificent dinner. Eric announced that the following day he would take Enid to King Arthur's court and marry her. The Vavasor would be given two castles in Eric's homeland, and within three days he vowed to send the Vavasor a lot of riches. Enid's cousin offered to give her a dress to wear, but Eric refused it because he wanted to present her to the Queen in her plain white dress and have the Queen give her a dress. Instead, he accepted a gift of a dappled palfrey. The next morning, Eric and Enid left. The father and mother and her uncle and cousins shed tears of joy and happiness, but also of sadness as they watched the couple depart. The journey was a happy one. These two were obviously made for each other, and they chatted and laughed as they rode towards Cardigan. Eric fell more and more in love with Enid every time he looked at her. Enid did the same. By the time the giggling couple came into the sight of Cardigan Castle, it was obvious to everyone that their marriage would be happy. Queen Guinevere came out to meet them, accompanied by Sir Tor, Sir Gawain, Sir Percival and Sir Lucan. The young lovers were welcomed into the castle with joy. The king and queen agreed immediately to the wedding, and Guinevere gave Enid one of her best dresses. Gold lace in the garment matched her long hair, and the greens in the weaving picked out the colour of her eyes. Enid was a complete knockout. This was extremely fortunate. At the dinner that evening, Enid sat next to King Arthur. He gave her a kiss according to the custom of the white stag, as she was the fairest. Nobody disagreed. There was no argument. Guinevere's plan had worked. Eric was true to his word. He sent gold, fine clothing and riches to the Vavasor and his wife. He sent word to King Lack that they would be arriving in his kingdom and were to be given the three towns. Lack welcomed them and set them up in a fine home. 
From that day on, the Vavasor and his wife lived a happy and comfortable life. Eric and Enid were married at the court of King Arthur. Never was there a finer wedding, and never was it such a sure thing that the marriage would work. There could surely be no trouble around the corner for these two. The party lasted for fifteen days. So, of course, an Arthurian wedding is not complete without a celebratory tournament. It was declared by Arthur and Sir Gawain that a great festival would be held one month from that date. Of course, Eric won the day, and afterwards asked King Arthur if he could return to his own country with his lovely new wife. Sad to see him go, but knowing it was the right thing, King Arthur agreed. Preparations were made, and soon the young couple were on their way to King Lac's kingdom. Four days later they arrived safely, and Eric settled down to a lovely, comfortable married life. Now, I'm sure you're expecting me to tell you that everything went wrong, and they didn't have a lovely, comfortable married life. After all, that's what normally happens, isn't it? But no, they settled down and an absolutely lovely, comfortable, happy married life. And that was the problem. Eric forgot all about jousting and knightly stuff. He didn't go to any tournaments, and he didn't avenge any foul deeds. He didn't save the kingdom from treachery, and he didn't uphold the honour of any ladies in distress. He devoted almost his entire time to his new wife, but was still generous and hospitable with his friends. All in all, it seems that Eric and Enid were very happy indeed. This sounds like a nice, happy existence, and it probably was, at least for Eric and Enid. Eric's fellow knights, though, thought it was a shameful existence, and whispering began. People began to talk about how Enid had robbed Eric of his manliness and his knightly spirit. Soon everyone was talking about Eric. The only people who didn't know were Eric and Enid. Pretty soon, the only person that didn't know was Eric. Word reached Enid that she had turned Eric against the deeds of chivalry. Enid was devastated, but couldn't tell Eric for fear he would be angry with her. This made her sadder and sadder, until one night she spent the night sobbing. Inevitably, Eric woke up and asked her what was wrong. Sadly and with great trepidation, she told Eric about the stains on his reputation. She told him how sorry she was that she had caused all this trouble. Eric held her tight and whispered that it was not her fault, but that he must go on a quest and prove the doubters wrong. Sir Eric armed himself and prepared to leave. King Lack begged him to take some men-at-arms with him, but he refused. He would travel, he said, with his wife only. Enid was very pleased, as she had been afraid she was going to be banished. Eric commanded Enid to ride ahead of him and not speak to him unless he spoke to her first. He didn't want anyone to think he needed any help doing anything, and he wasn't taking any chances. Enid, just glad to be coming along for the ride, agreed. This packed in place, Eric and Enid rode out to find adventure. And they found it quickly. A robber knight and his two companions spotted Enid riding on her fine palfrey. He thought the horse was a particularly fine specimen and decided he would have it. He agreed with his two friends that he would be the one to take it. Enid spotted the knights and was terrified that she or Eric would be killed. She shouted out to warn her husband, despite the fact that she had been sworn to silence. "'What?' replied Eric. "'You dare to speak to me when you have sworn not to. "'I have already seen that robber knight and his companions. "'I forgive you this time, but you must not let it happen again.' "'Eric launched himself at the first knight. "'The knight's lance missed Eric completely, but Eric's didn't miss the knight. "'In fact, it impaled him in the chest, and blood went everywhere. "'The knight, very dead indeed, fell to the ground. "'The second robber knight then received almost the same treatment.' and was lying unconscious on the ground within thirty seconds. The third, 
thinking that saving his own life was more important than acquiring a nice new palfrey, turned his horse around and fled, very, very quickly. He wasn't quick enough. Eric caught up with him and threw him from his horse. Eric, deciding that horse thievery was fair enough under the circumstances, took all three horses and tied their reins together. The knight's horses were beautiful, one white, one black, and one dappled. He handed the reins to Enid and told her to lead them on as they travelled. Enid, mightily impressed and determined not to make any more mistakes, did as she was asked. But not for long. In a valley they came upon five more knights. The five knights looked up and saw the lady leading three horses and decided what they wanted. The first declared he'd take the fine-looking lady for himself. The second wanted the dappled horse, the third the black horse and the fourth the white one. The fifth knight was either very bold or had a death wish, for he decided he was going to take the horse which was currently being ridden by the knight who rode behind the lady. He really should have known better. Eric was unlikely to let his horse go without a fight. The fifth knight went first. Eric pretended not to notice him so he could retain the element of surprise. Enid, though, didn't realise that Eric had noticed and couldn't bear to think that he would be killed. Despite her vow, she once again shouted out and warned him he was about to be attacked. Eric was furious. I told you that I wouldn't forgive you if you spoke again. I know the knights are approaching, I'm not stupid. It just shows how little you think of me that you would again do what you have vowed not to do. I am very, very angry. However, I'll forgive you once more, but next time you must restrain yourself. Of course, Eric defeated all five knights without really seeming to be trying. By the time he had finished, three were dead, one was badly wounded, and the last had been allowed to go after begging for his life. Eric collected up all five of their horses and handed the reins to Enid, telling her to lead them. Enid, head bowed, now had eight horses to lead. She did as she was asked without complaint. That night, Eric slept beneath a tree in an open field. Enid kept watch. As she watched over Eric, she rebuked herself for failing to live up to her agreement. The next day they rode on. At about lunchtime, they met a squire. The squire realised that the two travellers had probably not eaten yet that day and offered them some very good wheat cake and some fine wine and cheese. Eric gratefully agreed, and he and Enid sat down and consumed a very fine picnic. After the outdoor treats, Eric stood up and asked if the squire would like to take one of the eight horses in return for his generosity. The squire chose the dappled horse and offered Eric lodgings in the nearby town for the following night. Eric, realising that Enid would be very tired, accepted. Eric and Enid arrived at a fine house. The squire rode his fancy new horse back to the castle of his master, the local count. The count inquired as to where on earth the young man had managed to get such a fine-looking horse. The squire told the count the full story and just happened to mention that the knight had been very handsome, better looking even than the count himself. This was probably not a great thing to say to the vain count, who immediately demanded to be taken to the stranger knight. The count, accompanied by three companions, made his way to Eric's lodging. When he arrived, he forgot all about whether Eric was more handsome than him. He could not take his eyes off the lovely Enid. The Count spoke at length to Eric, offering to pay for his room and board. Eric, who had plenty of money, politely declined, and the Count asked if he could speak with Enid. Eric wasn't the jealous type, and he said that would be fine. The Count sat down by Enid, just a couple of spear lengths away from Eric. He spoke to her softly. Eric who really didn't seem to have a suspicious bone in his body, didn't even try to listen in. 
Listen, whispered the Count, you are seriously gorgeous, and I'd like to make you my mistress. I have loads and loads of money, and all of it I would gladly share with you. Your husband over there doesn't seem to care too much about you. After all, he's perfectly happy for you to be having a secret chat with another man. Leave him and come with me. No way, replied Enid. I will never cheat on my husband for all the wealth in the world. The Count became angry. If you don't, he snarled, then I will have your lord killed. Believe me, I have the power to make it happen. I was only testing you, whispered Enid. I would be very happy to be your lady, but you can't commit a treacherous act. You can't kill an unarmed knight. What you must do is this. Tomorrow, your knight and squire should come here and pretend to kidnap me. My husband will have to defend my honour, and then you can fight back. You can kill him without any dishonour. Quite frankly, I'm a bit tired of him and would much rather be with you. The Count, impressed by the most cunning of cunning plans, agreed. He strode over to Eric and wished him a good night. Eric responded courteously. As soon as the night had gone, Eric and Enid went to bed. The next morning was only a few hours away. Was the next morning to be Eric's last? Next week, we will find out if the next morning was indeed Eric's last. Until then... Have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time. But before I go, just a quick reminder that as from the week after next, the Legends of King Arthur and his knights will be released every two weeks rather than weekly. So there will be an episode next week, but after that it'll be every two weeks. I hope you keep listening, and continue to enjoy the podcast. <laughs>